Hey, this is Joe Caminetti Jr. Welcome to the BC Podcast. We hope it inspires you and helps you in your journey with Jesus. Enjoy the message. Well, I want to welcome everyone, whether you're here at the Warren campus or if you're a part of our church family in Boardman, TCI, or online. Uh, my name is Ryan. I get to work as our youth pastor here at our Warren campus. And today we have a really special treat for you. We have a guest speaker. And he's new to the BC stage, but he's a friend of our house. He's a friend of the BC family. And I really believe today's message is going to be more than informational. I believe it's going to be transformational. And uh, so before I tell you who he is and bring him up here, I just want to let you know this this message is a message of hope. And it's uh, it's full of hope. You got to buckle your seatbelts because it's like ready to roll. And one thing I want to say is if you or someone you know could use this message um, I want to encourage you to be someone that shares this right now. So if you're watching on YouTube or Facebook, share it on your social media. If you're in the building at Boardman or uh, right here in Warren, man, if you have a friend that could use some hope right now, text them and let them know to tune in or to watch this on demand because this is going to really, I believe, bring incredible change to their life. And so today we have a guest speaker. His name is Marcus McFoling, and he has a ministry called Reach One. And really what he has is an incredible story of how God has worked in him and through him and in his family. And he's an incredible man, but I believe that God is using him to bring a message that is much needed right now. And so whether you're here at Warren or if you're at Boardman, TCI, would you help us in, in welcoming Marcus to the stage? Amen, amen, amen. What is going on, believers? How y'all doing today? So first of all, I got to say this. It, it will always be incredibly weird for me to see my face that big on a, on a picture. But I just, before I get started, I want to give honor where honor is due. Um, I want to thank the pastors of this house, Pastor Joe and Pastor Gina. Thank you so much. And Pastors Joe Jr. and Aaron, thank you guys so much for, for believing in me and believing in my family and believing in what God has put inside of us. It's an honor for us to be able to grace this stage, and I'm excited to let it rip. So before we, before we begin, I just love if we would give a round of applause online. I would love for us to give a round of applause in this room for our senior pastors. Can, can we give it up for them? Come on. Okay, that, that was cool for like an early Sunday morning gathering. But like, come on, we, we, we've got to get a little bit excited about what God has given you guys in pastors here and in on board. Come on. Now, I want to tell you guys something. I want you guys to think right now in your life. I want you to remember what it was like to be broken. I don't know what you were doing when you were in the most broken state of your life. I don't know if you were completely depressed. I don't know if you were suicidal. I don't know if you were getting ready to take your life. I want you to go back to that moment. I want you to remember what it was like to struggle and to wrestle. What's crazy is there are some people there right now. Some people are in that place right now. What I want to invite you guys into is more than just a talk, more than just a testimony. I want to invite you guys into an encounter with God. I believe that through online technology that God wants to encounter you. God is infinitely more creative than us. So he would create this space for you to hear what he has to say to you. My prayer is that your heart would be open to more than a story. I hope more than anything, you will hear your story within my story. So think about that place when you were broken. Remember what you were doing. Remember what life was like. You kept on going through the mundane tasks or maybe you didn't even leave the house. Maybe COVID was that for you. Maybe COVID kept you isolated from the world and you slipped back into that depression. Maybe you feel broken right now and you don't know what to do. You're like, okay, the only thing I know to do is to get to church. Well, that's a, that's a good step. But you see, I grew up in this situation where I was so broken. I was broken before I came into the world. I was born into a situation where my father didn't want to be in my life. And for those of you guys that don't know, I firmly believe that fathers tell their children who they are. I believe that our identity comes from our fathers. So when you don't have a father in your life, what happens is what you see in society. There's this fatherlessness. There's this absenteeism that is plaguing society. What do we do? How does a young person supposed to, how are you supposed to live? How are you supposed to comprehend? How are you supposed to cope? How are you supposed to know how you're going to make it? So for me, I grew up in inner city California. Anybody ever been to Cali? 
I grew up on the West Coast, which is the best coast. And for me, football was everything. You see, football was this game that I was introduced to at a young age. And I love the game. I love the game because I got to hit people. Come on, that's the best game in the world. You can hit Lux. She just hit her husband. Like, you see, see? You know, football is that game that it, it's just something about it, something about team sports. And I know we got some football fans in the house. I'm seeing the uh, red, the red and the, the, the crimson. Come on, OH. First of all, listen, we are in Ohio, okay? We are in Ohio online. Listen, I need y'all to make some noise. I know I can't hear you guys physically, but I want to hear you guys spin my spirit. OH! OH! Any uh, Team of North fans in the house? Ooh, this, this church is wise. That's what I'm talking about. But I grew up playing this game called football, and I loved the game because the game was good to me. The game was so good to me that I got this opportunity to play at a very high level. And I went to this school, and this school kind of, they probably didn't do things the best way that they should. You see, for me, going to school was going to my principal's office and getting on MySpace. That's what school was like for me. Every day, because I was good at a sport, my teachers would just, oh, it's okay, come on, just let him pass. He's fine. Hey, 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 good luck on Friday. Good luck. Score some touchdowns. But what they were doing is they actually were setting me up for a setback. They were setting me up for a setback, and I didn't know it. I thought that, okay, y'all, I'm good at this sport. I'm going to use this sport to get everything that I can get out of this life. And I accept this scholarship to the University of Arizona. And I'm excited because they were recruiting this guy. He was a tall, lanky tight end. And his name was Robert Gronkowski. And I'm excited because we're about to tear some stuff up in the Pac-10. But unfortunately, Marcus doesn't have grades. Marcus doesn't have the grades to graduate. You know when some of you just thought about that broken moment? This was my first one. This was my first broken moment that was my fault. It was my fault that I didn't go to school. It was my fault that I didn't get the grades. It was my fault that I allowed people just to let me skate on by. But what happens when it's not your fault? How do you comprehend? How do you cope? And so I continued to play football. I continued to persevere. I continued to overcome. I went to junior college. And so in junior college, I was playing the game. I loved the game. I was doing really well. I'm getting ready to commit to Nevada Reno. Anybody ever heard of University of Nevada? Any University of Nevada fans online? So this was the year they had this tall, lanky quarterback, and we're about to tear stuff up. His name was Colin Kaepernick, and he could run the option offense, and I'm excited because my dreams are getting ready to come true yet again, but unfortunately, I didn't have grades necessary. You see, for some reason, I always thought that if I could do enough, if I could just score more touchdowns, if I could just be that much more successful in football, then things would just, would just happen. No one ever told me that football could be taken away. And so my friend shows me this school, and I'll never forget this. This was the summer of 2008. He shows me this school, and he shows me this website, and the only thing I saw was Malone College. I'm like, wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. I don't know if you guys have ever had that moment, or maybe somebody had that moment right now, that you've had that moment with God, and you just know that he's speaking to you. This was my first time, and listen, I didn't really have a strong relationship with the Lord. I had a bunch of head knowledge. I knew that there was a God in heaven, I guess. Okay, that's cool. But I don't want to receive the love of a man up there when my own father doesn't want me. So you can miss me with that. You know what my God was? My God was a pigskin. My God was football. Because that was the only thing that didn't let me down. And that's somebody's story today. Maybe it's not football. Take, that football, take the word football out and put something else. Drugs. Sex. Success. Work. Dare I say Family. See, our families can become our gods without us realizing it. And so he shows me this school, and I had, my, I had this crazy God encounter, and I knew that I was supposed to go to that school. It's crazy. A young, arrogant kid in inner city California, I see this school called Malone College, and I said, okay, I'm supposed to go to that school. And so I called the coach. That's how arrogant I was. I said, hey, coach, listen, listen, we don't, we don't even have to have a conversation. You offer me a scholarship, it'll be the best scholarship you ever offer. Y'all laugh, but two weeks later, I was on a floor scholarship to Malone College. And what's crazy is, I have to tell I didn't say this in the other service, what's crazy is when they showed me Malone, they showed me the Hall of Fame Stadium. And I was excited. I'm like, oh, are you kidding me? This sta the stadium was full of people, and I'm like, yo, let's go. Little did I know they were actually showing me the Hall of Fame football game. Our first game, we had 200 people at the game. I was like, are you kidding me? But you know what? I still persevered and overcame. And I set some records playing running back. And in 2011, I get an opportunity to go to a combine. And I think we have a picture of me at the combine. What's crazy is when you're pursuing your dreams and you're pressing forward, the thing that you love the most, there's no greater feeling. 
You ever been living into your purpose? You ever been living and, and, and have these dreams and these goals and you're standing at the door of your goals? Well, at this combine, that's what I was doing. I was this close. I was this close. And what's crazy is I remember coming out and I remember standing on the scale. And what they do is they make you split your feet when you stand on the scale. Because anybody that's ever had their height taken, any basketball players in the house, what do we do? We stand up nice and tall because we want to make sure our necks nice and straight. We get those extra inches. I look to my right and I see the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin. That's where I was at. That's how close I was. I could almost taste it. But I'll never forget signing with an agency out of Indianapolis, and I was convinced that the Colts were going to draft me. I just knew that the Colts were going to pick me up. We even had some of their representatives saying, hey, if you're around in the six-round markets, we're going to take you. I'm excited. Imagine an inner-city kid that overcame so much, and they're told those things. The first time in my life, I was like, okay, my hard work is paying off. Right? What do you do when the very thing that you love the most goes up in shambles like Maybe that's you today. And the spirit of God led you here to church. Lean in. Lean in. Maybe that's you online. Lean in. Because he wants to speak to you. And so I, uh, the, the draft happens, and I'll never forget as the draft is happening. And I don't hear my name called yet again. The sixth round goes by. I'm like, okay. Somebody's going to pick me up. Somebody's going to pick Somebody's got to pick me up. I had a great season. I've worked my butt off. I fought for this. I fought for it. Nobody wanted it more than me. I will work out eight hours a day. I wanted it. But what happens when it doesn't happen? I'll never forget my name not being called. And I just felt the same things that I felt when I was a little boy. That nobody wants you. Nobody cares. You're not loved. You're not accepted. You tried and tried, but guess what? Nope. And so I met this beautiful young lady at Malone, and the first time ever, it was the summer when I was training, and I had met her, and she was different. She was different because she was like a real Christian. Now, I'm not saying that people aren't real Christians, but, I mean, look at the condition of the world. The world says most of us identify with Christianity, but look at our world. And so I met this young lady, and she really loved the Lord, and she would, she would pray and worship, and I'm like, yo, okay, I'm going to pursue her the right way. I'm going to love this lady. I'm going to be there for her. I'm going to do everything necessary to pursue her. But what happened was I began to pursue her from a place where my identity wasn't rooted in what it needed to be rooted in. So I kept playing football. I kept persevering and overcoming. I get a chance to play in the Arena Football League. And I'm excited because my dreams are coming true. I'm getting paid to play football. We used to play down at the Alamo Dome in San Antonio. And I'm, I was excited because in 2014, I'm down there playing, and there's NFL scouts at our game. And you know what? If I do everything necessary, guess what? Guess what? I'm probably a Dallas Cowboy. I'm excited. Imagine being, being at that place where if you're, you're literally at the door. This is more than the combine. They're actually there in person now. I'm excited. I'm pumped up. I'm in shape. But I, this blocking drill happens, and I'll never forget going up to block this very large man, and I completely dislocated my shoulder, cracked my clavicle, tore my rotator cuff, and tore my labrum. And in one moment, 25 years old, my career was over. What do you do when adversity strikes? This is now the second time where I felt brokenness. But you see, I always had something to fall back on. When I didn't graduate high school, I could fall back on continuing to play football. You see, because my identity was rooted in the game. So this is now the second time, but I had nothing to fall back on except some pills. You see, some of us have been there. Some of us are there right now. You see, my doctor prescribed me this pain medication, and for the first time in my life, it made me not feel the pain. It was the only thing that made me feel alive. And so I would justify it because my name was on the bottom, and I kept on taking it, and I kept on taking it, and I kept on taking it. And then we're married. My wife and I, would get married. It's supposed to be the most amazing day ever, right? It's supposed to be the best day of your life. Some of you are probably engaged right now and you're excited to get married. And it's not that I wasn't excited, but I was broken on the inside. I didn't know how to, how to be happy. I didn't know how to, to live my life anymore because I felt as if I wasn't good at anything. There was nothing else that I could do. Like when football was gone for 26 years, I was a football player and that stuff was taken away. And so we moved back to Texas because in my mind, I'm saying, okay, I'm going to get back to the league. I'm going to get back. I'm going to fight. I've overcome so much in my life. I've overcome so much. I'm not going to give up on myself. 
But you see, I, I went back to Texas with a different mentality. I went back to Texas with the mentality of an addict. I went back to Texas with the mentality of, of, of depression. You see, I started taking these medications and they gave me a fentanyl patch. And I thought that was weird at first. I was like, okay, well, I mean, they just want me to be out of pain. And then they gave me instant release oxycodone. I said, okay, like this is, this is a little off. And then they gave me extended release morphine. They said, we want you out of pain 24-7. I didn't smoke or do anything like that before. I'd never done drugs in my life. So when you mix psychological depression with physical dependency, you're going to get a drug addict. 10 out of 10 times. Who thinks that it was my goal to be a drug addict? I want to break it down to you. Here's how bad my drug addiction was. I can remember sitting outside the dope boy's house for 10 hours with a pregnant wife inside the house. And I didn't care. And she was sick and I could care less. The only thing I wanted to do was feed my body with this thing that was slowly killing me. Where I would lie, I would cheat, I would steal. I would take our money and I would spend it. Because at this point, I can't get as much drugs as I want from my doctors. So I'm starting to buy them on the streets. Imagine this. You're at the combine. You're pursuing your dreams. You're getting played to play football. And now all of a sudden, you're driving around Houston, Texas looking for drugs. Who wanted to be a drug addict? Who made that their life's mission and their life's goal? Oh, I want to hurt everybody. I want, I want to, you know what? Ooh, I want to, I want to, I want to, I just want to tear my, my marriage apart. I want to hurt my wife. I want to lie. I want to cheat. I want to be known as the person where you need to hide your things when I come into the room. That was my goal. Who thinks that's what I wanted? No addict wants that. Nobody wants that. And yet that's the reality for so many. That they're stuck in this debilitating addiction. And so, we're living in Texas, and in my mind, I'm like, okay, I, I, I've got to figure something out. My wife gets pregnant. Wow. My wife gets pregnant. And so for the first time, I'm like, i got to do something. I've got I've to make a change. I didn't know what to do, but I knew that there was something on the inside of me that was willing to fight. So I said, okay, I'm going to go back to Ohio. I'm going to go back around all the Christians and the people that are on fire for Jesus. I'm, not gonna, I'm actually going to be around the people that say that this is true. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to move back to Ohio. And so we moved back the beginning of 2017. But I'm here to tell somebody today, if you don't deal with your issues where you're at, I'm talking about right now, they're going to follow you wherever you go. If you don't deal with the issues right now, they will follow you wherever you go. And that's exactly what happened. You see, my addiction followed me. You see, it was, it was almost contained in Texas. It was contained because I still had, I had drugs from my doctors and I would only buy a little bit on the streets. But once my doctors got taken away, then I became completely deceived. I came back to Ohio and I didn't realize you couldn't go to doctors and just get whatever you wanted. I went to these doctors and I kept going and I kept going all the way to the point where I went to so many different doctors. I went to 38 different doctors for 59 prescriptions in five months. And I have never said this, but that was just in Ohio. In my drug addiction, I would drive to West Virginia. I would drive to Pennsylvania. Complete deception. My wife was homesick with our child, sick to the point where she couldn't work. I didn't care. I said, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I've got to do because all I care about is me right now. And I'm going to put something in my body to destroy me. That's exactly what I wanted to do. And so naturally, going to all these different doctors, you're going to get into some trouble. And I didn't realize that. I didn't know there was a thing called deception to obtain a dangerous drug. That's what happened to me. You see, I, I was so deceived that I lied to these doctors and I got charged with three felonies. And I'll never forget sitting in a hospital in Tuscarawas County and the cops came in and they said, hey man, listen, we just want to let you know. We, we know who you are. But we honestly don't feel like driving you back up to Stark County, man, but we, you got warrants for your arrest. I just want to let you know that. When I say the fear hit me, you mean to tell me that I... I'm in trouble with the law? And you would think that something would have, would have begun to click. So what I decided to do was actually continue to spiral downhill. And I started going to even more hospitals, but I would go further away. I would go further away. And then I began to lie and change my name. Instead of saying Marcus, I would say my name is Mark. I would just lie. And like, I was probably, probably the dumbest drug addict in the world because I would change my name and I would still give them my regular social. Like, I have no clue why I would do that. That's <laughs> But I wasn't trying to be a drug addict. It just happened to be where I was at. And maybe there's some people there that have experienced some level of that. But you've got to understand that when life 
happens. And the hard things in life happen. What are you going to do? Where are you going to respond? How are you going to respond? When COVID happened, how did you respond? When you were forced to being at home or maybe you lost your job, how did you respond? Or did you react? So when drug addiction hit me and my wife musters up the courage June 16, 2017 to call the cops on me, I didn't respond, I reacted. I reacted in anger. I couldn't believe that the person who was supposed to love me the most left me. In my most broken state, I'll never forget the police officers driving around front. And I remember this like it was yesterday. I was holding my little girl and they came in front of the house and I knew something crazy was about to happen. And they said, Mr. McFarland, you've got to give us your daughter. I didn't know how to do that, you guys. I didn't know how to give the thing that I love the most. You see, I had this desire to be a good father, but my actions didn't match my desire. Good intentions don't make good people. Your actions do. And my actions told me that I wasn't a very good person at that time, that I needed some help, and I didn't know how to help myself. So my wife musters up the courage to take my daughter from me and to leave because I was making so many bad decisions. And so I was like, okay, that's fine. I'm going to show her. I'm going to show her I'm sitting in the cell. And as I'm sitting in the cell, the only thing, after everything that just happened, all the brokenness, all the pain, all the lies, I'm sitting in the cell, and the only thing that I could think about were the 12 pills I had inside of my couch. I knew where they were, and I couldn't wait to get back to them. I was fixated for this drug. The only thing that I could think about, first time in my life ever being arrested, and the only thing I could think about were the drugs. That's how strong addiction is. So when you think about the addicts that you know or the people that struggle with addiction, I just want to give you a little bit of picture where their mind might be at. They no longer can think, with, uh, make sound decisions. Their brain has literally rewired itself. So what do you do? The only thing I knew to do was I came back home and I saw that my wife had left me and I was mad. I had so much anger. I was always blaming everybody else. It's everybody else's fault why I am the way that I am. It's my dad's fault for leaving had he stayed, I wouldn't be the same person. I probably would have graduated high school and played D1 ball. I just kept blaming everybody. It's Chelsea's fault. If she would have helped me when I was hurting. So I had this like, great idea. I said, okay, I'm going to take my life. I'm, I'm going I'm to take my life. I'm going to take my life because there's nothing else to live for. And guess what? My daughter's life would probably be better without me. No father's better than an addicted father, so I thought. I said, okay, I'm going to do it on my first Father's Day, June 19, 2017. And I think we have a picture of that day. I was in complete deception and complete brokenness. And I didn't understand what it meant to love anybody. I didn't understand what it meant to do something for somebody else for the sake of somebody else. But in this FaceTime call with my little girl, I felt something come out of me that I didn't know was there. It's what I've come to know now is the love of a father to a child. It was so much bigger than myself. For some reason, I looked into her face and I said, Avery, I just realized what she needed. She needed a whole dad. She needed a healthy father. And I had to make a decision. I said, okay, am I willing to sacrifice a year of my life so that I can get the rest of my daughter's life. The one thing that I've always wanted to do is walk my daughter down the aisle. But I couldn't walk my daughter down the aisle as a broken person. We have this idea that we always have to be perfect. It's not true. You just have to be willing to surrender. And I didn't know what surrender looked like, but I said, okay, Avery, daddy's going to do whatever he has to do to be in your life. When's the last time you were willing to do whatever it took? When is the last time you're willing to be all in and didn't care what it looked like? Maybe you're at that place today, or maybe you want to be back at that place. But for the first time in my life, I did the hard thing. It was always easy to score touchdowns and, and lie to people and do whatever I had to do, but I did the hard thing, which I had to learn to deny myself. And I thank God for a strong wife who stood her ground. So I checked myself into a faith-based rehab called Teen Challenge the next day. And the best way that I can explain it is the devil should have killed me when he had me. 
I say that because I'm telling you, the depths of deception, but even throughout the process of rehab, some think that, okay, you just turned yourself into rehab and things are great. No, this rehab is different. <laughs> I couldn't talk to my wife, but only for 15 minutes a week. And so you mean to tell me that I've got to try to restore my marriage in 15 minutes a week? So most of the early phone calls were just my wife and I just kind of arguing. Because once I actually got clean and I, I, I had some drugs out of my system for a while, all the issues came back. And I realized all of my bad choices and the times where I lied and stole money and bought drugs off the streets. And then I've got these pending felony charges. And I got to try to fix my marriage? How do you do that? And I'll never forget September 1st when I was in the program. I saw a picture of my wife with her family having a good time. It was the hardest thing I've ever saw, ever seen because I realized that life moves on. Life moves on. Imagine being in a program, you can't see your daughter's first steps. I couldn't hear her first words. I couldn't talk to her on the phone because she couldn't talk. And so all this time, I'm like, okay, we're gonna get a divorce. We're gonna get a divorce because I've made so many bad decisions, but I'm like, you know what, I deserve it. Once I started to clear my mind, I realized that I deserved it. I deserved it, but I said, you know what, God, okay. I'm just going to be all in with you. Then, So I began to read the Bible because in the program, all you do is read the word. Literally, that's, that's pretty much all you do. 6 a.m. to 9.30 p.m., we were in the Bible. We were having to memorize scripture, all kind of stuff. And so I began to read the Bible, and I was like, okay, wait a minute. Don't be conformed to the ways of the world. Wow, what's the world like? Okay, I'm going to do the opposite. And I had this boldness that came inside of me. And what's crazy is I don't really share this part of the story, but August 3rd. I'll never forget there was a worship service. And in the worship service, I just felt the Lord drawing me to the altar. And Carrie, uh, Carrie Job's song was playing. I am not alone. I am not alone. You will go before me. You will never leave me. And I felt the Lord tell me, I will never leave you. I will never leave you. Come and sacrifice your family at this altar. I had no clue how to do that. I had no clue how to do it to the point. I don't know if you've ever had that moment or that encounter with God, but I could barely walk. I'm literally crawling to the altar because it was the most difficult thing I've ever had to do. I had to crawl up to that altar. I said, okay, God, no matter what, I trust you. I trust you. And I wept. I wept and I wept and I wept. And I'll never forget the feeling, the lift that I felt. And I cried as if somebody passed away. And somebody did pass away. That was the first time I gave the old Marcus a eulogy. And I said, I'm getting up and I'm going to be a different man. And no matter what, I'm going to be all in with you, Jesus. No matter what, I'm willing to do whatever you tell me to do. No matter what, God, I trust you. I want to win souls for your kingdom. But what's crazy is I had this mentality of reaching the lost. But that was just the beginning of God telling me who I am. It starts with giving everything that I'm not. It starts with giving all my idols. And then he spoke a word to me. I'll never forget reading Ephesians 1.6. You see, when, you, when the Lord speaks to you, and maybe you've been there before, when the Lord speaks to you, you remember the moment. You remember exactly what you were wearing. You remember exactly, you can probably tell me the day, the time to the T, right? And I'll never forget October 4th, 2017. My spiritual pops that came to visit me in the program and he saw that I was just trying to do so many things and, and make up time because as an athlete, I was wired. I was wired to be successful and to produce. You see, most of us are born into a situation where we have to produce something. We've got to be productive. How does the enemy tempt us? Lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and pride of life. Popularity, pride, and provision. Provide for yourself. He'll tell me to provide for myself. And so that's what I was doing in the program and didn't realize it. I had all this good stuff that I was trying to do. My pops told me, you need to chill. You're a human being, not a human doing. And I realized, wait a minute. What? Wait, wait, wait. By, by his glorious grace, he's made me accepted in the beloved? And I hadn't done anything? It wasn't about touchdowns. He called me accepted. You mean to tell me all my life that even when my dad didn't want me, I was accepted by almighty God. Yeah. 
You mean to tell me that, that he says I'm fearfully and wonderfully made? You mean to tell me that I'm a part of a chosen priesthood, like I'm chosen by God, that he loves me? You see, when you, when you encounter the love of God, it changes you. <laughs> it changes you. You cannot encounter the God that I believe in and leave the same person. And so I encountered him. And what's crazy is I started to live from this place, and I had this crazy boldness. I'm like, all right. You know, y'all can tell I get fired up. I said, okay, I'm going to plead guilty to my felonies, God. Wow. Because I wanted to be a man of integrity. I wanted to be a person that actually did the right thing for the first time in my life. The first step was going to rehab. The second step was admitting that I had a problem. The third step was surrendering my family at the altar. The fourth step was picking up my identity as a son. The fifth step was being a man of integrity before men. In the program, when you've got everybody that's struggling with addiction, it's easy to talk about your issues. Oh, hey, y'all, you did that, man. For three years, I, was, I did this. I got this charge. I got this charge. But could I do that before a judge? And I'll never forget what's crazy is in this place, I had to stand before the judge. And I wanted to go in there super confident and bold and fearless. And, but I wasn't. I was scared. I was, I was terrified. But I knew that I said, you know what, God, no matter what, I'm not going to turn back. And it reminded me of Daniel 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That even if God didn't come and rescue them, they weren't going to bow. And I said, you know what, God, no matter what it looks like, I trust you. I said, Judge, listen. I did it. We can end all court proceedings. I did it. Today where you sit, isn't each and every one of us guilty? Haven't you been guilty and don't we deserve something? We don't deserve this life we're living and yet God would love us so much that he would send his son. He would send his son. Even in the midst of everything I was going through, my family was in shambles. I thought I was going to get a divorce, but I said, you know what, God, I trust you no matter what it looks like. Have you been that desperate for God? Or are we just going through the motions? This judge looked at me. And pastor, she said she had never had somebody be so honest in her courtroom. She said, Marcus, go back to Teen Challenge. I don't have a record to this day. You see, and, and, and I appreciate the applause, but the Bible tells me those who wish to boast should boast about the good things the Lord has done. That was all God. The only thing I had to do was be surrendered to him. And so I began to read and I began to study and I began to open up the word because I realized that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I'm not going to grow in faith without the word. You see, a lot of us want to listen to podcasts and we want to listen to all these different things, but we've got to get the tangible word of God in us because Romans 10, 17 tells me how faith comes. But we don't allow that to happen. Why? Because we're distracted. If the enemy can't destroy you, what's he going to do? He's going to distract you. What is he going to distract you with? Here's the kicker. He'll distract you with success where you'll be so successful, you don't have time for God. But if we get to a place where waking up in the morning is so much more than just my 15-minute devos, it's a lifestyle that I live. I'm constantly in communion with my Father. But we've got to get to a place where we're desperate. And so I was in the program, and I began to read. And check this out. I'm in class yet again. And you guys know my, listen, my class history isn't the best. I don't have the best track record. So I'm in class, and obviously I'm not paying attention. And so I'm I'm reading the Bible, though, right? So if you're going to get mad at somebody for reading the Bible in class, you know what? Take that up with you and the Lord. And so I'm reading my Bible. And it's crazy. I, I get to this story, and it's such a radical story to me. It's radical because I wouldn't imagine a shepherd leaving 99 of his sheep to go after one. That doesn't make sense to my logical mind. That doesn't make sense. Like, if I lost a dollar and I had $99, I'm so happy because at least I got 99 still. Right? How many of y'all just been like, oh, let me put this, I gotta go find that dollar. Where's that dollar at? Man, I cannot find it. Why? Check this out. We laugh, but why? Why wouldn't I go do that? Borman, why wouldn't I go do that? TCI, why wouldn't I go do that? Because we don't see the value of the dollar the same way God sees value. You see, God sees the value of a dollar, and he's like, no, 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 no. No, it's precious to me. I'm willing to risk it all. And that's exactly what the shepherd does, and it's crazy. And I'm just reading, and, and I'm having this encounter with God, and I'm like, wait a minute. You left the 99 for me? For little old Marcus who made all these decisions and bad mistakes, you left the 99 for me. And he did. And guess what? He did for you too. You see, I have this individual revelation that I'm Jesus' favorite. 
It's the same thing that John the Beloved had. John the Beloved, what? Beloved, what you mean you're beloved? See, somebody at Borman is laughing right now. Like, yeah, I'm beloved. Amen. So am I. But do you take on that same mentality? Or is Jesus just, uh, he's just somebody that I read about or somebody I, I hear a message about once a week? I feel this in my spirit. A lot of us have been putting a lot of pressures on our pastors. We're saying that it's our pastor's job to feed us. I want to challenge your thinking for a second. It's not your pastor's job to feed you. The role of a good shepherd is to provide good pasture for his sheep to eat. But you've got to be hungry. You can't, listen, you eat every single day, right? Every single day you eat. Unless some people are fasting right now. Every single day you eat. Why? Because you see the value in food and that food nourishes your body. So in the same way in the spirit, if we don't eat of the word every single day, how can I expect to be spiritually healthy? You want to get an appetizer on a Sunday? Come on, we've got to get to a place where we feast on the word. The Bible says in, in Matthew 5, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. Who wants to be filled? Who wants their fire to burn again? So I'm in the program and the Lord spoke to me concerning Luke 15. He says, Marcus, I've given you the ministry of reconciliation. Never make ministry about numbers. Every person... Every single one of you online at TCI, I don't care about your issues. I don't care about your struggle. Every single person has infinite value to God. Infinite value. 10 out of 10 over everybody's head. But you've got to believe it. And you know how I know that? Because I find it in the word. And the Lord spoke to me and says, go and win my children. And that's when I heard reach one. You see, when the Lord spoke to me about reach one, my marriage was in shambles. And I didn't think that we were going to make it. I didn't. I wanted to. Because when you, when you repent and really turn away, it's not condemnation that you feel. It's like godly sorrow. I like realized the error of my ways. But I realized that it was no longer in my hands. God had to take my fingerprints off what his fingerprints were meant for. And God began to do something in his own way. And while I'm in rehab getting healthy, she's at home as a single mom. Shout out to all the single moms out there. Hope my mom's watching. The world has been so blessed because of your yes. I wouldn't be here without my mom. And yeah, it was a struggle. And yeah, it's difficult and it's hard. But I want you to know, I see you. And I appreciate what you guys do. But we've got to get to a place where we're hungry and desperate for Jesus. And so as the Lord spoke to me, I was like, okay. God brought restoration back to my family. I'll never forget being able to graduate from this program June 30th, 2018. Yes, I remember the day because it was the greatest day of my life. <laughs> the greatest day of my life. I was so excited to not have to shave every day. I want to show y'all. I think we have a picture of my, of my mugshot. Uh, I'm about to show y'all. Every day I had to look, I look like that. Boy, looking like Cleveland Brown. Look. My name is Cleveland Brown. Woo! I don't have to look like that anymore. I was excited. And it was just crazy that God had given me this vision of reach one. And it's wild because my yes to God opened doors. My yes to God, I said, you know what? No matter what it looks like, God, I trust you. I don't have a record to this day. My yes to God put me in a position to be a husband and a father. Listen, I love being able to speak on stages. And God has opened a door for me to get, I get to do it all around the country. But the greatest gift I've ever been given first is my salvation, that I'm accepted. And I don't care if you don't like me. I don't care what you think of me because I'm accepted in the beloved. It's not about my, it's not about anything because I'm accepted by almighty God. And I get to live in the reality of that truth every day, every single day. But I also get a chance to travel around the country and inspire a generation of young people. You see, there's this thing that's been plaguing society and it's called absenteeism. A lot of us, we have fathers in our home, but maybe they're not necessarily present. I want to speak to that person right now. I want to speak to the person online who doesn't know their dad. Maybe you're at Boardman right now and you're like, man, I don't know my pops. And you've been carrying that pain. Today's a different day. Today is a day where you can encounter God and he can take some of that pain away and repurpose your pain. He'll repurpose the pain and use it for the betterment of the kingdom of God because Romans 8.28 says, for all things work together for the good. You mean to tell me my, my, my pain works together for the good? You mean to tell me my brokenness and my, 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 my addiction works together for the good? You mean to tell me my lying and my cheating? Yeah, it works together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. You see, a lot of us have our own purposes. 
A lot of us want to do our own thing. A lot of us read Matthew 6, 33 with the wrong, with the wrong mentality. First, you seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The only part we hear is all else will be added unto me. Because we want what I can get. What can I get? Let me ask you a question online. Anybody in here right now, if God were to answer your prayers, would it benefit you or would it benefit others? We've got to start learning to live from the inside out. When I read Matthew 6, it says, delight myself in the Lord. When I delight myself in the Lord, guess what my desires become? They become his desires. His desires are that no man should perish. It's the express will that no man should perish. And that's what I care about now. I'm here for one person. And I want one person to get this. So I want everybody to bow your head for a second. Right now, even you and Borman, I need you guys to bow your head. TCI, bow your head with me. I just want to wait on the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be, be in a hurry. I just feel like somebody's been knocking at a door and they've been knocking, they've been knocking and they feel like they've been left out. But I just feel this in my heart that you can look down and there's no doorknob there. The door is open to you. All you've got to do is step in. Or maybe you've been in a position in your life where you've been so, uh, you feel like you've been forgotten. You feel like you've been overlooked. You feel like there are people in your life that are progressing faster than you. And then you begin to blame God. Or maybe you've never even really given your life to Jesus. And you're like, ah, this whole God thing, I, I don't know, man. I don't get it. Well, I'm here to tell somebody that your carnal mind is at war with God. You will never understand a, a spiritual book with a carnal mindset. It's a spiritual book, so it needs to be interpreted through the Spirit. But you're feeling something stirring inside of your heart right now. And you're wanting to be all in with Jesus, but you don't know how. Or maybe you came in this place right now, or maybe you're online and you're watching. Here's what I need you guys to do. Uh, the reason why I have you bow your heads is because transparency leads to transformation. I had to get so real with my issues before transformation was ever brought. If in the last 12 months, if in the last 12 months you've struggled with suicidal thoughts or depression, I want you to raise your hand. I see you. I see you. I see you. I want you to write, that's me online if that's you. Boardman, I want you to raise your hand. If in the last 12 months, you struggle with severe anxiety. I want you to raise your hand. You see, liberation comes when we get that real before the Father. That we don't have to have it all figured out. It's okay to not be okay. But just don't stay in that place. We can have bad moments that don't turn into bad days. But if you believe in God right now, listen, I, I, I'm going to invite you guys into an experience with the Lord. Like, like I'm, I'm all about prayer, but I want you to have more of an encounter with God. Even right now online, God is infinitely creative. He will use an online platform. Maybe it's not you, but you immediately thought of somebody. I need you to send this to them right now. God will meet them where they're at. Just like he met me where I was at. But if that's you and you're holding on to something, and you're like, you know what, man? I just, I, I just want to let it go. When I see some people crying, here's what I got to tell you, man. Psalms 126.5. It says, those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. Since the beginning of time, tears have been a sign of life, not a sign of weakness. But if you're believing that God is going to take that thing, I need you to make a nice tight fist. Make a nice tight fist. Believe that God is going to take that pain, that God is going to take that brokenness, that God is going to give you something that you've never had before. The Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Some of you guys haven't tasted yet, and it's okay, because today's your day. Today's your day online. Today's your day, Boardman. Today's your day online community. So here's what I want us to do. I want you to raise that fist up nice and high in the air. 
I want you to raise it up as if God is really gonna take that thing away from you. There is no shame in the house of God. I don't care if you're with your family. I don't care if you're with your friends. I do not care. God wants to meet with you. This is between you and your father, not you and your friends. If you're online, I want you to do the same thing right now. I want you to raise it up nice and high. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. But we've got to get to a place of surrender and truly believe that God can do it. So I want to take it a step further because there's a scripture that's found in John and the Lord laid it on my heart today. And it's about this man named Lazarus. And it says, Jesus, in verse 40, it says, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that you would believe you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. Keep them hands up. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. And I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I say this, that they may believe that you've sent me. Now, when he said all these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out bound hand and foot with grave clothes and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, loose him and let him go. What the Lord is saying right now is there's some Lazaruses that are getting ready to come back to life. There are some people getting ready to step forward right now. There's some people online getting ready to step forward that are gonna come back alive in Jesus. But there's a key component. Jesus told people to remove the grave clothes. That Jesus is calling you right now so everybody whose hand is lifted, I need you to stand to your feet with confidence that God is going to take that thing away. Stand on up if your hand is raised. Stand on up if you're believing God for an encounter. So here's what I want to do, Borman. I want you guys to stand up. There's people there that are ready to pray. But here's what I want you guys to do in this house. I need everybody to come forward. I need everybody that's standing to come forward and gather right here. I want to pray for you. He sees you, brother. What's your name in the blue? Adam. He sees you. He's got a plan for your life. Release that thing to him. He's going to take it away. Everybody that's up forward. There's, a very, there, there's something so important. Those who are, who are forward online, the most important part of that scripture is that Jesus told other people to loose them. And so what we get to do as a body of Christ, we get to come together and be the hands and feet of Jesus. We get to loose and we get to call people back to life. I need everybody up front and everybody online. I need y'all to lock in. That Jesus is about to do something in your life. He's going to take the pain. He's going to take the brokenness. And he's going to repurpose it so that it can help people. You can't have a testimony without a test. And you've been tested. You've been tried. You've been hurt. You've been broken. But guess what? You're still here. I just got a message a week ago, another friend of mine passed away. That takes you to 28 friends that can no longer do this. I wish more than anything, I could talk to some of my roommates that I was in the program with, that we dreamt together with. But you know what, I may not be able to talk to them, but I'm gonna talk to you. And anybody that's up here that's ever struggled with suicidal thoughts, I'm here to tell you that there's so much purpose in your life that he sees you. And that more than that, He's got plans and hopes for your future. And if you're online right now, listen, I need y'all to lock in. I need you guys to not be afraid to get out. I feel it in my spirit. Get out of your seat. Jesus wants to encounter you. So what we're getting ready to do, I'm going to pray. I just want to pray. The Bible says in James 5, 16, confess your sins one to another so that you'll be healed. For the prayers of a righteous person are powerful and effective. But there's a key component that I'm going to do in this service that I didn't do in the last one. That if there's somebody up here that you know, that you love, I want you to come and lay hands on them while I pray for them. It's going to act as a, a, a symbolic uh, vision of you taking off the grave clothes. That people are coming back to life. If you know somebody up here, I need you just to come and stand in agreement with me. Because God is about to do something in this body. God is about to do something in this house. That this is a house of prayer. This house is different. This community is different. And God is about to meet people where they're at. So right now, everybody that's getting prayed for, anybody online, I want you guys to open up your hands. Opening up your hands like this is an act of surrender. It's an act of submission. And what the Lord is going to do, it's okay. He's going to take that thing away. 
He sees you. He sees you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for everybody up front. I thank you for those in Borman right now that you would grace us with technology to reach people all around the country. Those at TCI, Father, I thank you for the willingness to step forward, for the willingness to be transparent, to say, you know what? I don't have it together, but Jesus, I know that you do. For those of us that are standing up here, man, I want you guys to understand that Jesus wants to hear your voice. Jesus sees you. He wants to hear your voice individually. That you've got to begin to open your mouth and speak to him. He wants to talk to you. I know some of us struggle with hearing the word of God. We hear, struggle with hearing God's voice, but he wrote us a book. So we've got to become studiers of the word. So Father, I thank you right now for anybody up here that may be giving their life to Jesus for the first time. That is so much more than just saying, Jesus, I love you. I accept you in my heart. The Bible is true when it says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth, confession is an action on your part. Confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you'll be saved. And I believe that's what's happening right now. So Father, I thank you for your sons and your daughters that are coming home all around the country that may view this, that are coming home. Father, I thank you. I just feel like there's a spirit of suicide. I just want to call that out right now. I rebuke any spirit of suicide right now that you will live, you will not die. Lazarus, you're coming back to life and you're coming home. We rebuke that right now. Father, I thank you for life and life more abundantly. Wow. I thank you for my friends in Jesus' name. Amen. So here's what we're going to do, guys. Here's what we're going to do. I want to be the first to say this to somebody. Welcome home. Welcome home. Welcome home. I need everybody in the back. I need y'all to stand to y'all feet. Those online, stand to your feet and give these people a shout of praise. Come on. Come on. There, there, there are next steps. Because when you come back into the family of God, this church wants to connect with you. You've got to be all in, though. This can't just be a momentary thing. The thing you brought to the altar, you've got to leave it there. Those online, too. You've got to leave it there. And when you leave it there, I'm telling you, what you pick back up is tasting and seeing that he's good. He'll change your everything, okay? Stay connected. Don't let the enemy isolate you. You've got to be connected. Use the gifts that God has given you to be a blessing to the body of Christ, okay? So we're about to release it to Jesus. And then I want everybody in the house to give God some praise, okay? Y'all ready? Let's make a fist. We're about to release it. We're about to release it. Uh-oh, we got some people in the back about to release it too. Amen. Come on, we're going to release it. I believe he's going to take it. I really want y'all to believe that he's going to take because I did that August 3rd and he took it from me, okay? Online, come on. It's time to let it go. It's time to let it go. Y'all ready? On three, we're going to give the Lord a shout of praise. We're about to release it. Y'all ready? One, two, three. God bless each and every one of you guys. Hope you enjoyed today's podcast. There are a couple things I'd love for you to do. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. That helps us spread the word and impact more people. You can also help us see others connected to God by investing today at believers.cc give. And if you want updates on all things Believers Church, check out believers.cc or follow us at A City Connected on Twitter and Instagram or search Believers The Connecting Place on Facebook. The best way to connect with BC is live and in person at one of our weekend worship experiences. We have locations in Boardman and Warren, and you can get the service times and plan your visit at believers.cc. Thanks for tuning in to the BC Podcast.